When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Acast recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna, talking to people who stand up, speak out, or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children, respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. Bloodandmud.com podcast. We're back again after the first week of the Six Nations. We're going to give that a right old run around the cement mixer, pour it out on the floor and then smash our faces into it to make a sort of very ugly mural. We're going to talk about Ireland versus Wales, of course, Scotland versus England, France versus Italy. We will, of course, have time for the shit good ratings as we always do. We will look forward to the weekend with the predictions for the games that are coming up, see if anything from this week's changed our view on who's going to win the tournament. We'll also, um, I'd like to mention the fact that we congratulate ourselves on being a magnificent jinx, Yes, as per really usual. We'll, 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 we'll talk about that in more detail. Um, thanks to all of you who've listened so far. Uh, the numbers are going up each week, and believe me, we are thankful that you take time to listen to this. What's, to be honest, a mess a lot of the time, but we do enjoy, yeah. enjoy doing it. Um, and thanks for all your reviews and your ratings. Keep them coming in. Hello, Josh. Hello there. I am Lee Calvert, editor of bloodandmud.com. I forgot to do that bit. And you did a bit. I'm joined, and, uh, I'm joined by? I'm by Josh Gardner from rugbyshitwatch.com, apparently. That's right. Yeah, you can find me at bloodandmud on Twitter or bloodandmud.com, and you can find Josh. At uh, either at rugbyshitwatch or uh, at Josh Gardner is my personal thing. This is our podcast, which is available on SoundCloud, on iTunes, and wherever else you want to stick your RSS feed into. It can be brought there. Thanks for your ratings, as I've already said. First of all, I'd like to give an apology, um, maybe to Topsy Ojo again, but no, not this nope, week. not this week. Um, just an apology of the, sound, of the sound quality last week. There was a bit of a few technical glitches, which led to some editing problems. Uh, <laughs> I promise. We had a bit of a mare, didn't we? Uh, we did have a bit of a mare. Not as much yeah. of a mare as me editing it, but it was. A, but yeah, so we got there in the end. I think it was just about listable, and it was actually the biggest listening numbers we've had so far. So it can't so be that bad. So must continue to be shit then. Right, it okay. must be. Yeah, easy. So yeah, there's a easy. lesson in that for everybody. Um, yeah. So that's that. So let's let's have a look at the weekend action yeah. as it as it came up. What did you think of the weekend in general, Josh? Well, the phony war was over, I guess, and all of the sort of toing and froing and hype and all that bollocks kind of descended into a fairly average weekend of rugby. Three pretty ordinary games that weren't, you know... Yeah, I think if anybody said that France versus Italy might have been the best game of the weekend before yeah. the weekend, you wouldn't have believed them, but I think no, there's I some arguments we made that that would be the case. It was certainly the most fun game, just for sheer mad shit going on. <laughs> yeah. And, 
yeah, the rest of it, it was, yeah, I mean, it was all right. I, mean, was I know quite... it's the first game of the, to- of the tournament and all that, so you can talk about first game, first games of the tournament and all that stuff. But actually, mm. you know, we are halfway through a season. Yeah, and we did you have know, These players Cup aren't Cup. coming off a pre-season where they're knackered and haven't seen a ball for four weeks. You know, no, it's, I, this... and then we did have a World Cup in, in November, so they're not exactly, well, October, November, so they're not exactly, you know, coming into this totally cold, are they? No. So we were a little bit disappointed. I think it's fair to say to say a little bit disappointed. I'm sorry to be miserable, and we should all be cheerleading about this, you know. But we're not PR people. Nope. We have to deal with them, but we're not them. <laughs> um, so let, let's kick off some reviews of the weekend. Then let's have a look at. Let's go. We're going to go chronologically backwards for no yep. other reason. Then that's decided the way I've decided to go. Ireland versus Wales. Ireland 16. Wales 16. <sighs> Ugh. I'll just I mean, settle back in and let you take on this, Josh. Yeah, I mean. Gatlin trotted out the cliche after the game that you know the draw is like kissing your sister and all that shit. And but it is just such a frustrating and unsatisfactory way to end a game of rugby, especially as it doesn't happen very often. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think as a Wales fan, I'll probably feel a bit better about it in a few days than I do at the moment. But right now, I'm kind of just a bit disappointed because I think for a variety of reasons, Wales could and probably should have won that game. And if they don't win the tournament because they fluff their lines a bit here I think it's a bit of a massive missed opportunity I'd be absolutely fuming actually if I yeah. was Welsh because um, Gareth Edwards was and I don't know whether this is Gareth Edwards on Scrum 5 you see the Scrum 5 special on Sunday uh, no I didn't actually anyway no. Gareth Edwards said on that and he was sort of saying well Wales should be count themselves lucky they could have lost that they didn't lose that I was screaming at the screen you know <laughs> what the fuck are you talking I mean oh legend and all that sorry Gareth but you know what are they talking? That, that Ireland team were there for the taking. Actually, I thought so it was evenly balanced and they defended quite well. I think right. any attack with a bit of nous could have done them. Yeah, I think I think that's probably true. And I think on the plus side, you know, Wales have got some form certainly in the first game of the tournament against Ireland for not starting very well, letting Ireland build up a bit of a lead, and then it all going to pieces and turning into a bit of a shambles. You know, the last two yeah. opening games of the tournament that they've had against Ireland have gone that way and they've got an absolute battering so from that and that's yeah, kind of how your I, way back in yeah, that's yeah, kind yeah, of how I thought it was going to yeah. go in the first you know after about 20 minutes gone I thought oh Christ this is going to be an absolute prison shaming again and from that regard I'm quite you know I'm 20 minutes I would have taken a draw but then yeah. at, 70, at 70 minutes I felt like we really should have won that game that's that's not to take anything away from Ireland though, because I said last week that I thought that people were underestimating how decent they'd be at home. Yeah. And, and if you could that... see me, I'd have you'd see my hand is up right now. <laughs> I very much underestimated. I thought they were so ravaged by injuries and, and, and lack of form that actually, not going to be a comfortable win for Wales, but Wales could have won it and should have won it. Really. I, mean, I said yeah. that I still think it could have been a comfortable win for Wales. If they got it could have been with a bit, earlier. but I think. On the day, I think players like O'Donnell and CJ Stander, they, mm. you know, arguably they've all made cases to start even with injuries, without the injuries, and and I think they absolutely proved it. And and they had a really good game plan. Certainly, for the first half an hour or so, they they executed it very well. And, and I think, yeah, I think I think Tommy O'Donnell, you know, I, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I don't, I've never quite got it with Sean O'Brien. No, I, honestly, I really the Irish love him. And, and he's he's not a bad player. He's not a bad he's a player, player at all. And he's a big lump. He's a good player, but I still don't quite get this automatic selection malarkey that goes on with him. And I think that O'Donnell offered more on Saturday, Sunday, sorry, than than <laughs> O'Brien would have done. No, and I I agree. I think 
I've always thought that O'Brien's a better six than he is a seven because he is that mm. sort of big you know, carrying. He's a big hard carrying six, and and yet he's sort of been elevated into this sort of thing that he's automatically Ireland's starting seven. And yeah, I don't, I don't think that should be the case at all, to be honest. And I'd be inclined to, you know, it'll be controversial, but I could see Heaslip maybe making way for Stander at eight because I think he could probably do a job there as well. And Talking about players that are quite overrated, I've never understood Jamie Heasley. <laughs> no, I mean I know I'm so, I mean it sounds like I'm just doing every piece of Irish back row down. I mean he's again <laughs> he's, he's he's okay, but can you think of many games where you've gone, oof, what a game he's had? I think he I mean, maybe that's testament to how good he is, I don't know. I maybe think I'm he maybe had more of those about five or six years ago, but certainly I think there's an element of reputation with him as well as with O'Brien so yeah I mean I think well, I mean the, no take nothing away from them. they did no, they did they, def- they did a job they played better than I think most people thought they would and they I think they isolated the weakness of the Welsh side which was the physical limitations of the back row particularly the two sevens like I think Tipperick is a great tackler and he didn't disgrace himself at all on Saturday but he's not a massive guy and Warburton has only played one game in the last three or four months and I think they went out, the Irish forwards went out there with an intention to target that. And they were going around the fringes and they were taking you know, advantage of the fact that, that Tipperick was too small, arguably, to really stop a big man coming at him like around the corner. And Warburton was slightly, you know, half a step off where he should be. And they made a lot I agree of with Tipperick. yards that I way. Th- I agree with Tipperick. I think, I think, I think Warburton did all right. I think he, I think he did fine. It. He was amongst it right till the end. But yeah, yeah. I agree. I've said about Tipperick, I got a load of shit off Ospreys fans on Twitter once by saying he's just not strong. As, as good as he is technically, he's just not strong enough. You get, and everyone just ever, said, I, ne- I never watch enough rugby and I don't know what I'm talking about. Which, to be ever, honest, is probably fair, but I stand by what I said. Don't ever say that on Twitter. Because I, I am an Ospreys fan. I absolutely love Justin Tipperick and I have no point ever wanting to start for Wales. <laughs> because of that, because I've never seen him start a test match, with the exception of thirty-three against England, which was just a weird freak of a game. Yes, like I've never seen him start a test match and do well. Like, or actually, the the Ireland game um, before the World Cup, but again, that was a World Cup warm-up. They don't count a proper test match. Mm. You never see him dominate in the way that he can at club level because it's they're just bigger boys <laughs> at this level and. They're more physical and there's more of them and he can't get over the ball like he can yes. in an Osprey shirt. And I think if he comes off the bench at 60 minutes when everybody's a bit knackered, that's when the game plays to his strengths because it's broken up a little bit and he can use the fact that he's quicker than any other back row pretty much in the world and has better handling skills than any other back row in the world. And yeah, there was that great something. moment in the game when, um, I can't remember who it was who kicked it on. Was it Lee, <coughs> Lee Williams kicked it on? And yes, and he just steamed down And he steamed, it, and he steamed past Trimble. And Trimble was on the turn, but even so, yeah. Trimble's a, a winger. Yeah, and you know, he absolutely and he left him for dead. Him and he, he got the scrum five from there. And that was the try, wasn't it? So Yeah. Wales were... Uh, Wales' scrum, speaking of that, Wales' scrum was particularly impressive, I thought. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to get carried away with it In being... fact, generally speaking, scrums across the weekend... Were all right. And all yeah. the games, the very few collapses, not that many penalties, not that much time sucked into setting them up either. And I noticed that there was a definite... Like, certainly with Garces on, on Sunday, like, there were times where I felt like eight, nine months ago, a ref would have blown up for a penalty, even with the ball... At the back of the scrum, and it's yeah, sort of he was going he nowhere. was definitely and he was basically on. saying, yeah. "Get it out!" 
you know, he was letting just... it crumple, wasn't he? He was letting yes. it all crumple, then say, "Just get rid of it." And, that, yeah. and you're right. I think a year or so, you know, in recent past, that would have been. I've got to blow anyway because they've yeah. gone down. Yeah, and I think I, I'm totally on board with that because you know the purpose of the scrum isn't to be a penalty machine. The purpose of the scrum is to restart play, and if you're you know pushing a team backwards and they're you know clearly mm. retreating and getting smashed, then fair enough, it's a penalty. But if it's just sort of Disintegrated yeah. into a bit of a. It's just come to a standstill and a bit yeah. of a mess. It's just, just like get a, it out. Yeah, yeah just, just get it out. And yeah, no, I was quite pleased with that. Um, yeah, Wales, I mean, I think a, a lot of pro- Wales' problems came from half back, where obviously a lot of Ireland's problems didn't. Um, mm. I, I mean, I, I hate to be the sort of I told you so guy with it, but I said last week that if. No, you don't. Set, I can tell I by your tone, you don't hate it at all. I absolutely bloody love it. Um, yeah, if when Murray and Sexton are firing, Ireland are very hard to stop, no matter who they've got in that pack. And I thought, I thought they were both very good on the whole. On Murray on in particular weekend. was an yeah, absolute, he was he was like the other side of the coin to what he's been. Yeah, we've been shit all club. season, and all of a sudden yeah, he steps in, he steps into a green jersey and he looks very good. And yeah, he was he was maybe doing. He's all, just and, one of those players who needs that stage. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. And Wales on the flip side were just hugely disjointed, and that was probably the main reason that they they didn't manage to eke it out because obviously when Bigger went off early doors that was like a massive disruption to the game plan you'd imagine because you could Priestland see Priestland did alright though yeah but then Priestland came on and he took some time to settle but I think the problem was probably you factor that in with the fact that Gareth Davis probably had his worst game for Wales by far and Lloyd Williams was pretty average when he came on too it's like there wasn't a, re- there wasn't a massive amount of continuity and well, sort of structure it, at halfback Wales were rightly rightly Certainly by me, criticised after the Australian game for sending, you know, against 13 men, wave after wave of attack at the mm. same five metre piece of line. Yes. And it seems that Gatlin, Gatlin's listened to this. Glad Rugby on Twitter, who were brilliant, if you don't, if you don't follow them, please mm. do. Said has called it Cement Ball Two Point Zero because they call <laughs> they call Gatlin Cement Head, don't they? They've called yeah. they've called it Cement Ball Two Point Zero, where they've actually started to try and do something about that. But what they've tried to do about it, it seems to me, looking just in, go wide all the time. go wide all the time, and, and yeah. they had this problem. I remember about five years ago, yeah. where they would hit the first second receiver man off every single play. So yeah. if you were defending or you're a back row, you thought I've got nothing to fucking worry about here because yeah. I know exactly where this ball is going. It's 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 a process. I kind I hope to an extent. <laughs> like it's you know Rome wasn't built in a day, and hopefully it's going to get better. But certainly, yeah, they were just constantly trying to go wide. When they don't, they, you have to like you've got to earn the right to go wide. That's you know one of those rugby cliches. But you do you know otherwise the defense yeah. just fans out, and there's nothing to be gained from it. And especially a defense as decent as Ireland's. Yeah, you know, exactly. the way they dealt. I mean, Jamie Roberts had a very, very good game in terms of his work rate and his, yeah. and his defense, and and the and the number of times he carried the ball up. But they dealt with him pretty well. Yeah, he you and, know, he was put down quite regularly. Yeah, and and no, but and very few. You know, I thought to, even though he he wasn't exactly his old self, I thought George North looked livelier than he had in a Wales shirt. They, well, for they've some got time. to get him in the game. Yeah, you can't be lively as a winger. Because you're so reliant on somebody getting you into the game, and if you're not, if they're not calling the plays for you to get in the game, yeah, you're not going to ruin the shape by just pissing off inside and trying to get and demanding the ball. Are you? Maybe I don't know. Yeah. Maybe that's what he needs to do. But and, and that know, I think he'd like probably find he was... himself dropped in Gatland's world for doing that. I mean, that seemed to be a little bit of what he was doing on on Sunday, though. He was he was coming in and he was looking for it, and and 
he just showed that you know I know he said he doesn't like running into walls, but there wasn't many there wasn't any space for wingers in that Irish line on the weekend, and yet he was just pumping his legs and causing problems and you know it might not have been his flashiest game for Wales but it was probably one of his more encouraging ones because he actually seemed involved and bothered for the first time in about 12 months yeah and I think there's there was a point in the game around about the 65th minute where he got the ball he's running and I shouted at the TV just put your head down and run into him yeah you know, like a rugby league forward would or something just get yeah. the ball and just grab it and run straight and hard as hard as you fucking can because actually he's massive yeah and you know he's, he's huge and the speed he covers the ground at they're gonna and he did actually pull at least two or three people in to stop yeah. him and he doesn't actually back himself to do that enough no and I think that's partly the, the whole concussion thing is it's going to take him a while to trust his body again but that's a promising sign that he's starting to get to that that level again and yeah I mean I think It'll take a bit of time to maybe tweak the personnel and the tactics, but at least there's a, a recognition from Gatland, I think, that we couldn't... It's got to go on. beyond two it's, passes. Exactly, and there's got to be some attempt to play with width. It's just that, you know, there needs to be... Like, too often it seemed like, you know, they were running... The dummy runners weren't actually running dummy lines at all, and all they were doing is just sort of sitting in the line and not actually drawing their men in and stuff like that, and... And all those sort of things will take time to work on, I think. But I think this is the problem with. If they, I know it's almost sacrilege to say there's a problem with Jamie Roberts, it's easy. but I think, yeah, <laughs> I think you are quite. I think there is a problem with Jamie Roberts because actually, he never looks like he's going to use the ball ever. And and when and when so when he's not he doesn't look because he never looks like he's quite got the ball under control. He always seems to half catch it and press it against his sort of cock as he runs. It's almost. Do, like, do you know what I mean? I know what you mean because he sort of. I think he there's a sort of perception in Wales that someone is in any way surprised now when Jamie Roberts comes at an angle and takes the ball. Yeah, like and the international defences can't tackle a large yeah, man running. But it's him. like that's that's what he always does. So they sort of give him the ball at the last second, which gives him no time to actually get the ball yeah. into his ground. And it's like, well, no, because that never works. Because as soon as anybody sees six foot fucking five, eighteen stone Jamie Roberts running in a sort of diagonal angle, you can bet your fucking ass that he's going to get the ball. Yeah. So. And it's... so as a result, he never gets his arms through the tackle. <laughs> yes. So, so he, he can he never get... Offload. And actually, if he could do that, he'd get stuff... And that's really where the answer is. Because the weakest the weakest point in rugby, or one of them, is behind <clears> the tackle. <throat> yeah. You've got to get people going behind the tackle. And that's where... I think, Well, you know, not just Wales, to be fair. I think that's where the offloading game can. comes in, yeah. And if, if you can't have a 12 that offloads, you, you're going to struggle a little bit. And, and Jamie's got fantastic other qualities which I will definitely get to later but okay. yeah that, that is a, a thing so but, we, we talked all about Wales I think actually let's just talk about Ireland then. do you think who would be the happier the two coaches after this? <clears throat> um, I think probably Schmidt purely because I think he's proved once again that he knows exactly knows what he's what doing, he's doing. <laughs> yeah he's yeah. you know he is a very very good coach who is brilliant at devising a game plan to limit or neuter an opposition that might be more favoured than than they are, and mm. and he's shown that Ireland have got a bit of depth, which is you know not a bad thing. I mean, you can argue that you know they were thirteen nil up, and from that point you would expect even a team of fucking ringers and thirds to close the game out, and they kind of collapsed a little bit in the twenty. But that ignores how so. decent Wales are. I mean, yeah, I, I and, think... and but you know if you give any team thirteen point lead. 
you know, you'd hope to keep the scoreboard ticking. And that was kind of a feature of the weekend as a whole, to be honest, that I noticed was that the scoreboard was not ticking over. Like, mm. it didn't see, it seemed like, you know, we I talked about... I haven't, seen, sc- the, I haven't <clears throat> seen the stat and I could look at it now, I could look it up now, but I, I, I imagine completed uh, successful kicks percentage was pretty low. Yeah. And across all three games, even Farrell had two from four, which yeah, is not and, like him, you know. And, and not, and also the, the opportunity seemed to be quite few and far between either. I don't know whether it's just defences are better organised and are better... You know, they're a lot more careful about giving stuff away on the floor than they used to be, but it just seemed like nobody was really giving away kickable penalties that much. No, which... and that's true, actually. Yeah, that, that was that's probably a good point, really. But and but it just it, it was kind of symptomatic of what we mentioned at the beginning, this kind of general malaise of, yeah. of kind of not really much happening. Yeah, I, I do. I mean, I do think that... I don't want to come across as a massive homer, even though I am, but I do feel like Garces gave the Irish a massive helping hand along the way. So keeping... He didn't seem that concerned about them rolling away. No, not at all. I'll say they that were, much. They were going beyond the man and clearing out quite often at the ruck to a ridiculous level, to be honest. And also the whole... There were two sort of things that I don't really blame Garces for, but it just sort of was a highlighting the stupidity of the law situation mm. and that was you know Keith Earls or as he pr- probably be known Tippy O'Tippersy because <laughs> Christ that, that man did seem to be preoccupied with dropping Wales players on their head on Sunday afternoon and I mean mm. it was just like there were two quite blatant moments where he tackled the Welsh player beyond the horizontal and dropped him and yeah. and Garces that's first he definitely dropped him yeah and then there was a second one which looked right on the borderline and he didn't even bother to check and it's like he only gave a penalty for it, which just leaves you a bit flabbergasted because, I mean, I've seen players and pundits defend him for having sympathy for the player and not yellowing him because it wasn't an intentionally violent act, but that's bullshit. Yeah, but, not sp- but we're not supposed to con- consider intent. Exactly, and the rule it's isn't there... It's reckless to- or not. Yeah, the rule isn't there to punish violent acts. It's there to ensure that players behave responsibly on the pitch in relation to the welfare of their fellow pros. And, and that's they, why and it's there. And you don't really pick people up. Yeah, it's, it's a deterrent. And if you do, you might go, oh shit, I need to hold them and put them back down again. Yeah. And whether like, we agree with that or not, as, as a rule, it's that's the, a it is the discussion. It is in the terms law. of how yeah. it, is the game gone soft, but that is what the rule is to be there to be interpreted. Yeah, and it's like, I'm not saying that Earls is dirty, but the laws are there to act as a deterrent against players doing that. And by not sending mm. him off and not binning him, Garcia has provided no such deterrent. So then he did the same thing later on. And it just goes to show that that's why the rule is there. And I mean, all we ever ask from refs is, is consistency and sensitivity, but the latter doesn't extend to player and safety. And yet we never get it. Yeah, and, but it doesn't it's extend... It's like asking for romance from a 1950s northern husband. <laughs> you can ask for it as much as you want. It's You're not, not going to get it. But like, when it comes to player safety, as far as I'm concerned, like I don't give a shit that somebody says, oh, that spoiled the game, because I would quite like to do everything possible to reduce my guilt at watching all of these young men sacrificing their potential future health and well-being for my entertainment. And I kind of prefer it when the laws that are designed to at least minimise that somewhat are enforced, you know? So, yeah. Right. So, speaking of dirty players, yes. let's move on from that and move on to uh, Dylan Hartley's England. Yes. Um, who played <laughs> against Scotland. See how I did there? Mm. Linkage. Very linky. So, Scotland versus England, which, you know, let's be honest, was fucking lousy. Yeah, bad game. I mean, I said last week that I thought England was win it, and the game panned out in that way, but... Well, I've, God, I've, made, was, a, I've made a dick good. of myself by predicting that Scotland would win that game. <laughs> the curse is real. Well, you see, you know what? 
I said this on the blog, right? I am not Scottish. No. And I can only imagine what it must... But I was looking at them thinking, they've eradicated these problems they had last year. Or the, last year they looked to be starting to eradicate the problem. <clears> they have they, they do some decent stuff, they have some decent players, but they don't have an end product. And I thought, well, that's going to get itself at home against an England that are in a bit of a disjointed state. Mm. They'll be pumped up after a good World Cup. Surely this is now the time for them not to be a complete disjointed bag of shit. And, and guess what happened? Yeah, I, I said on Twitter when the team was announced, I said there are no weaknesses in that Scotland team. They are from 1 to 15. They Pretty look, decent. They look yeah. decent and they look at least the measure of, if not better than their opposite equivalent. And yet they huffed and they puffed and they, for all that razzle-dazzle exciting backs that they've got, like it doesn't mean jack shit if you can't actually break through a disciplined defence. Mm. And... And I, I said it again on Twitter at the time, but it watched me as I, I watched them sort of smash futilely into the organised English defence over and over again in the 22 with absolutely no end product. But they're set up like a Southern Hemisphere team. Like, they've got all these fleet-footed backs and the Hollywood forwards who are great when the weather's dry and the ground is hard. But they're Scotland. They play most of their games <laughs> in the British winter and most of those are in fucking Edinburgh. You're not going to score many 80 metre tries against good teams when it's fucking it down with rain and the ground is sodden. That's just physics. But I mean, it must frustrate that you can't actually, you know, Scotland were renowned for years for their fast rucking game, you know, and it yeah. must be heartbreaking. They can't actually get it going again. <laughs> and to be a Scotland fan, it must be, it must be like, you know, when you've, you've fancied, man or woman, you've fancied somebody for ages and then you, and, and then they finally get a chance to get it on. And then it, it's like crap, and you yeah, don't know why. You wake up in the morning, and you've got to walk home dressed in last <laughs> night's clothes. I would have the most crestfallenly disappointing sexual experience of your life. And then, but and, and that that must be like that must be like being a Scotland fan all the time. All the time. I mean, this because you think now finally they, they look good. I'm going to get it on. Yes, we're finally Knickers gonna... off. Here we go. Oh, this is terrible. Yeah. Oh. oh. Yeah, how disappointing. Yeah, so yeah, they're just not built. They don't seem to be a team that's built to capitalise on the conditions that Scotland play the bulk of their games under. And you have to wonder how many games they're going to win if they keep trying to play that way when conditions just don't suit it. Because England did exactly the opposite and played the exact right way for the way that the conditions were, and they won quite comfortably. Let's be honest. And and Scotland, with a decent side, looking in the best knitted locks in for ages, lost against an England team. They didn't really play very well at all. No, they really weren't. It's like a double whammy of misery. But it was like an old school England performance, wasn't it? It was solid set piece, good defence, and they took chances and made less mistakes than Scotland did. Well, my biggest thing I said last week is unless they get the scrum sorted, then they're going to be knackered, and they've quite clearly got the scrum sorted. Yeah, I mean, they, they sort of had a few wobbles at the start where... Nell seemed to be on top, but certainly after the replacements came on, they were properly on top. So that was, one, of, one of Scotland's problems, somebody did point out after reading my preview, was that Scotland are very light off the bench. Yeah. And that is true, and I think that, sh- that, that showed. Yeah. I mean, England, you know, they're four weeks into Eddie Jones's job. He's got the scrum sorted. They didn't lose a line out. Yeah. They did the job. There was still loads of stuff that was pretty crap. Yeah, honest, absolutely. But... but it was pragmatic, wasn't it? And I think that's going to be the watchword for England in the coming weeks. They're never going to be the All Blacks or not for a while anyway. So I think that they set a template for the time being, which is you play hard-nosed rugby, you put it through the forwards, you don't make mistakes, you kick your goals. And then when you get an opportunity, you've got the outside backs there who are quick enough and inform enough to actually do something with it. If they were that lacking in discipline against, for example, a Wales team with bigger kicking well, though, I think there would have been a bigger problem. Yeah. The, the, and the breakdown's still an issue. Everyone everyone yeah. is, uh, you know, I'm going to go back, everyone's lionising 
Pascal's performance. I think it's because mm. he had a red scrum cap on, so you can see what he's doing a little bit more. He, he got out the line quick. He tackled hard. Yeah, but I'm going to be sensible. I'm going to be sensible here. You know, he, he did a, yeah. a reasonable job at that, but yeah, he still generally got pretty bossed by John Hardy. I think. In, yeah, I, I mean, in the job they, that the they, sevens meant to do. But yeah, they, they sort of had. I think there was a period at the start of the game where England looked very, very good. Where I don't think Scotland were really prepared for. The level of power that England had in that back row with Haskell and Rob Shaw and Vincola, and and as a result, they kind of they went into themselves quite a lot and got quite passive. Whereas mm. by the sort of you know last ten minutes of the first half, they sort of realised, oh well, they're big lads, but they don't really have any technique. So if we are smart about it, we can still use our better ability on the day yeah. to take advantage of it, and they did. Um, but yeah. I, you know, it was. It was just. It was just shit. So I'd say much about it. Really, it was, it was a really was, bad game, and it really. Scotland were in this kind of maladroit nightmare, and, they just, and England were. You know, they did. Fair days to Eddie Jones. Yeah, he, he got them out. The scrums working again. They've gone away. They've won. They've got Italy next, and they've got two home, two lovely home games to play. Yeah, and and, mean, and after the draw, they'll be laughing. They'll be licking their lips, won't they? Yeah, after exactly. the draw in the Ireland Wales game, on. they'll be licking their lips. And I thought, you know, your captain, fantastic. Not so fantastic. He was all right. I thought he added a clear ballast to the scrum and Tetnan he could actually hook the ball, which was I think that performance showed just how much they missed him in the World Cup. <clears throat> yeah. He was the bit he was the biggest miss in the World Cup. Forget yeah. any other non selection, he was the biggest miss. And and his line out, well he, his line out was hundred percent, what can you say? Yeah, and, and I thought Cruz was excellent, Launch Free was excellent. I thought Noel showed up very well. He might have the stupidest haircut in rugby, but uh, he is just this kind of like big Arnold Schwarzenegger, big boom bang gym thing that comes in. But yeah, he, he, he he's like, yeah, yeah. And, and Farrell at twelve, still was, to be convinced. But yeah, and Farrell at twelve was better than I expected him to be. To he's be still not twelve though. And no, I think he's not. Ford, and I think Ford's <clears throat> performance might no signal the let's try him at ten because Ford was pretty plop. Well, that's the thing. It seemed to me that 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 Farrell was taking up most of the responsibility of. You know, directing the team because Ford didn't really seem to have much of a clue what he was doing, which has got to be slightly alarming. But job done, you know, <laughs> from an yeah. England point of view, that's all they needed. Yeah, the WRU still haven't got rid of those fucking disgraceful hashtags, though. <laughs> Please, I beg of you, stop. Everybody, Please stop. Yeah, everybody stop the awful hashtag thing. Carry them home. I am Wales. Ugh. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't even make any <laughs> sense. It's like that one after David Bowie died, and then Alan Rickman died, and somebody had a picture. Somebody put a meme, a, a picture of uh, Snape, Alan Rickman as Snape from the film, <clears throat> with the Aladdin saying "lightning strike" on his face. <laughs> it was like that doesn't even make any sense. No, what are you just... doing? <laughs> These are two people who died. The that doesn't yeah. even make any sense. Yeah. It's, just, it's just no link at all. Somebody's <laughs> no. actually spent time doing that. Anyway, right. Yeah. So that was Scotland, England. I think England, they'll be laughing when they get back together at, you know, yeah. Penny Hill. They will just think. Know, star killer base on, on Tuesday. They'll be, <laughs> they'll be well chuffed for themselves. Absolutely. And and it's it's all on. You know, like you say, they've got, they're going to go away to Italy and then come back probably with a win and then two home games against the two teams most likely to challenge them. If they win one of those, I mean, they're probably in pretty good position to, to win the whole thing. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Okay, so moving <coughs> on to the final. It was the first game of the weekend, but the final game we're going to talk about, which was France versus Italy, which, well, who saw that one coming? I know I didn't. <laughs> I mean, to what to some extent, meet the new France the same as the old France. 
Um, <laughs> because Guinoes can clearly make loads of changes and bring in players who've never even seen a rugby ball before or whatever, but it seems like a few weeks is nowhere near enough to undo whatever wrong-brainedness Philippe Saint-André has been infecting them with the last few years because they were fucking yeah. terrible. They were really what? bad. And Guino is still, still exuding that I don't really give a fuck. Yeah, uh, this, none, of this, none of this matters to me. I mean, you've got credit to Italy, though. We had great fun at their expense last week saying how they were, we just... were fucking dreadful. But they were actually very impressive. They were some... better than Scotland because yeah. we said Scotland were going to be good. Exactly. And therein lies the magic of our curse. A lot of mud.com uh, podcasts ruining teams and careers <laughs> one, men- one positive mention at a time. But... Yeah, I think they've clearly got some very good young forwards coming through there, as as was demonstrated on the weekend. Parise is superhuman, and Carlo Cano looks like he might be a bit of a fly-off talent if he can learn how to kick his goals, um, which is obviously the... He's got, he can go two ways now. He can go Orquera or Dominguez, basically. <laughs> yeah, he? very much because so. Because I, I remember when Orquera went, ooh, he looks quite handy, and yes. then, it all, then it just turned into this basic... Some, mental breakdown every week then he turned up on the field <laughs> um, we also had some great fun at Vagatawa's expense last week too and fair play to him like he took his try very well and he had that it little little seventh that little shimmy was, was brilliant I mean don't get me wrong the rest of the time he looked like a man who'd wandered onto the field and didn't have a clue what was going on like his defensive yep. positioning was absolutely dreadful and his, his kicking was shambolic but you know <laughs> He, he wasn't there to... That's because, remember, <clears throat> no matter how well he played, you have to think about the basis on which he was selected. Absolutely. He hasn't played a game of 15s for three, three years. years. Yeah. He hasn't played a game of 15s for three, three years. years. It's incredible. It is, the more you say it, the more brilliant and yet insane it becomes. Yeah. And, and uh, Yeah, I was delighted that he got a try purely for that. Be- because he's going to be some sort of pub quiz question in a few years' time, <laughs> yes, isn't he? he um, he was the yeah played what would it be like person to play an international game without having a club and people would be going thinking it would be in eighteen ninety eight when everyone's yeah. still playing for universities and things, won't they? But player who scored no, on debut despite not having played a game of fifteens rugby in three years. Yeah, he loved his try though, did he? Oh god, yeah, pure joy. He was and and yeah, it's hard to to not enjoy that sort of ridiculous. But France were pretty jammy, really. It was, oh god, it was yeah, a funny call. At the I end, mean, wasn't it? that the penalty that. That Plisson banged over. Hell could, of a kick, man! Uh, hell of a kick, fantastic kick, but clearly not a penalty, or clearly a penalty the other way. As Parise clearly demonstrated, <clears throat> and was yeah. probably still shaking his head at nine o'clock that night. <laughs> oh, yeah, he was probably shaking his head for other reasons at that point as well. But, um, <laughs> we'll come on to that. Uh, yeah, yeah I mean, God, what went on at the end there? Like, I think the thing is right is that basically, Parise's entire entire Italian career. It can probably be summed up with the phrase fuck it I'll do it myself <laughs> yes that's basically the way he's his entire if you have a TV you must have a TV license it's the law inspectors are calling to unlicensed homes and businesses if you don't that can mean prosecution and a fine of up to 1000 euro get yours at tvlicense.ie or any post office brought to you by the government of Ireland Acast recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna. 
talking to people who stand up, speak out or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children, respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. My career has been, fuck this, I'm going to do it myself, because none of you can do anything. Yes. And, that, and... and unfortunately, it reached its kind of problematic end on Sunday. It was like, and, and yeah. we need to win this game, fuck it, I'll do it myself. Yes. There is a problem with that for Sergio and that was when it comes to although he has scored drop goals in top flight rugby apparently he banged one over against the Ospreys in about 2005 when he's playing for Stard but uh, yeah, yeah still still, still. Yeah. because you know there are lots of re- there are lots <clears throat> of times when fuck it I'll do it myself there really works. are it, you know and there painting, some... your, painting your living room yeah oh, fuck it I'll do it myself Absolutely. that's fine plastering your living room no 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 no, 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 no. no. fuck it I'll do it myself <laughs> does not work plastering your living room yes Looking I mean, up your medical conditions on Google. No. No, no. Um, also, no, I can't bother going to the doctors. Fuck it, I'll do it myself. Google. <laughs> no. It always says lung cancer. Yes, always. Yes. Um, and, and equally, uh, everything that Liam Williams and Stuart Hogg did this weekend was very much out of the <laughs> fuck it, I'll do it myself thing. And <laughs> we get it, lads. You're both terrific runners with the ball, but you're not going to step five blokes and score from 60 metres every time, so maybe I, you that, should pass that... it occasionally. Just... That thing with that thing when Liam Williams ran at that diagonal angle from about what felt like about six hundred miles oh, away, no. and they popped the ball to him, and he hit the, he hit where the tacklers were and stopped dead. I know it's like, <laughs> well, of course that's going to happen. You, oh. it just they've had a gong. They've had literally they did pong. They've basically had six weeks to get ready for it because you've been telegraphing it for that long. But, yeah, I mean, you look back at the history of rugby, and there's been many wonderful moments of, of fuck it, I do it, I'll do it myself. I guess um, my favourite is probably Gethin Jenkins. I mean, my, when you ask anything favourite in rugby, I'm probably going to say something to do with Gethin Jenkins. <laughs> but um, do you remember when he was playing for Cardiff, uh, the, the game they won against Stade Français in 2007, right. um, where they beat the. I team. don't. You'll have to refresh my memory. <clears throat> they, it was at the Arms Park in the Heineken Cup, and they were um, basically it was a team just packed. It was started at their Galactico peak. Yeah. And the, uh, Cardiff were playing with Di Flanagan at fly half. And they, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It was the understory to Kerry Sweeney. You yes. know how bad this is. Uh, don't you? Exactly. And then so somehow they won that game by ten points. But there was a po- I was at that game, and there was a point at the end of the game where. Stad were they were a score behind and they were hammering into the Cardiff twenty two for the for the winning score and the Blues managed to get a turnover and for some reason Gethin finds himself at first receiver because of course he does. Um and he sort of gets the ball and sort of looks up, sees some space, and you can just see you know how Gethin Jenkins has that look on his face all the yes. time that says, Fuck it, I will do this myself. <laughs> yeah. He just looks up, sees the space, and then just executes a perfect spiral torpedo kick about 50 metres that bounces into touch just inside the start 10 metre line and from the line the ensuing line out they won a penalty they got a penalty to win the game but it was just that is that is peak fuck it I'll do it myself I think <laughs> it's when the prop decides that the 50 metre clearing kick is well on yes 
that's wonderful and there's also the kind of the time when you get forwards who do the fuck it I'll do it myself <laughs> usually on interceptions oh no there was a brilliant one in the Ireland game wasn't it Devin Toner caught yes. the ball and he went he said and I was watching my son he's 13 and my son went what's wrong with him <laughs> that, no that's very, just how second rows run mate he's just very slow do you remember I think was it uh France Ireland in 2002 Scott Quinnell did something very similar where I think he was chasing back a a kick in the 22 and just he was sort of the, the French defence was blaring down on him and he thought I could I could pass to the fullback here but fuck it I'll no. just lamp I'll lamp it upfield and he did and that was fine but then if memory serves then he chased up his own kick and decided to take out the French fullback with his elbow running at full tilt so yeah Less good. You could do that then. Well, yeah, I think he got yellow card. It's almost a French fullback's fault. <laughs> exactly. I think his name was days. Brusque. Nicolas Brusque, was that his name? Nicolas he Brusque, I remember it. Yeah, that he got, a, certainly got Brusque treatment. A, they were too, oh, oh, very good. <laughs> they were, oh dear. They were, um, that was when they, back then it was France, it was it was him or, or Javier Garbajosa. Yes, it was, he wasn't it? for Toulouse. He looked brilliant for Toulouse. And as soon as he got in a French team, he had that, well, like Leo Williams at the weekend, he looked yeah. about three stone too light. He just used to get smashed around all over the place. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, so that's yeah. sorry, a little digression a little there. there. So fuck it, I'll do it myself. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think it, uh, this could run this. I think I it, this yes. examples send of fuck us, it, I'll do it. Yeah. So, send the nominations in. So yeah, when you're watching games on the next few weeks, have a look out for moments of fuck it, I'll do it myself, and let us know either <laughs> at Buddenmore or at Josh Gardner on on Twitter. Um, right. So that was Scotland versus England. Mm. No, it wasn't. That was France versus Italy. It was indeed. There you go. Yeah. That's the We've one. done all the things for the weekend. No yeah. point doing the table yet. Um, I th- but that's where we are. Um, right, let's have a let's do our usual situation now, and we'll do this. No, I won't do that. Something's gone terribly wrong there. What am I doing? No, it's not that. There's, I'm getting all the wrong song here. <laughs> this is what happens when you try and do things. This is shit. Good rating. The only rating system that matters. Now it could be that somebody's trying to tell us not to bother doing that jingle. Anymore, <laughs> it could certainly, be. somebody. Ben Grace on Twitter very much told me not to do that jingle really? anymore well, last week. I think he, he was not happy at all. Demonstrably and unequivocally wrong. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I said all I could tweet back to him. You know, you know me. I'm quite pithy at times. I can be quite cruel at times. Hmm. All I could tweet back to him, back to him was, "Oh, that's disappointing." Because <laughs> <laughs> it, it was literally, I thought it's the best thing I've ever created. I'm, I'm that's, that's the only feedback I've had. You're correct in that regard. It is, and don't so let anyway, yes, otherwise. Yeah, it is a shit good rating. The hmm. only rating system that matters. So let's have a look <laughs> at what we had from the weekend. Josh, kick us off. What yes, shit for you? I-, I thought the general intensity of the games was absolutely shit. Like, aside from Ireland versus Wales, which at least felt like a proper test match, although it still wasn't exactly blood and thunder stuff, all the other g- games just felt really, like, stayed. Like... As I said before, there was a general sense of malaise yeah. about the whole weekend, really. <coughs> it's like... Okay, I agree with you on that the one. The Calcutta Cup is supposed to be the biggest, oldest rivalry in rugby or whatever, but there was absolutely no niggle at all. Like, all this talk of Hartley keeping his head and all that stuff, but there was nothing to keep his head about because everybody seemed like they were playing at about 60% intensity. It was very odd. What I did like about Hartley, there was one point where Rob Shaw got penalised for doing something. I'm slightly digressing, Mm. but in terms of intensity, there was a very clear shot where he was bollocking Chris Rob Shaw as he was walking back. (laughs) He was literally pointing at him and saying something, and Rob Shaw was kind of shaking his head a bit and muttering. Now, they might have not been saying anything, but he was actually... I liked it. 
That is hilarious. I think that's obviously Hartley just going, look, you fucking sort yourself out sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's even more amusing because obviously Rob Shaw would have been doing the bollockings a couple of months ago. So. Yeah, I mean, that kind of quiet mumbly way that he does probably, yes. which is... Uh... Mm. Yeah, so... Um, my, my other shit... Uh, I, I don't mean to pick on players, but I'm going to pick on some players today. Um, no problem, Ross maybe. Ford. Yeah. I, he's got nearly 100 test caps, and yet I... For the life of me, I can't remember the last time he had a good game. Like, and, and on the weekend, he just. But that kind of felt... achi- that kind of achievement is right there, up there with that Daisuke Ohata mm. who scored 120 odd tries for Japan. It's kind of well, yeah. actually, it's because who else is there? Yeah, and I think that is he's just Scotland's hooker by default, and because nobody else has really ever done anything. But his throwing was dreadful on the weekend. He he contributed very little in the loose and he just generally looked like somebody who was well off the pace and I just you've got to think there's got to be a better hooker in Scotland somewhere but yeah. they've only got two teams and all of Glasgow's hookers are pretty much crocked so I guess that's it I'll uh, take shit for me was um, Gordon Darcy on ITV ITV's coverage it oh, must be said was, was okay but Gordon Darcy and his Unbelievable I... inability not to refer to his own nation as we and us. And us. <laughs> I was losing my fucking mind about this. I it made me so angry. But he would stop doing it for about five minute. minutes. Yeah. Obviously somebody's headphones said, <clears throat> "Can you please stop doing that?" God, like, yeah. and then... when Wales scored, he was he actually said it was unfortunate. It's like, for God's sake, man, give it a rest. I didn't think you could find an Irishman who was more biased than Philip Matthews, but they yeah, actually did manage to do it. Can. So, you know, props he, to ITV for doing Yeah, massively doing so. It. Somebody else who mentioned Irish commentators was Oshin C on Twitter, who tweeted us to say the commentators on Irish TV for the England game were horrendous and kept getting Joseph and Watson mixed up. Oh, it's not good, is it, really? That's no, a bit of an I mean, Harriet Lenny-Henry moment. Yeah, you can, you can draw your own conclusions from that. You don't want to do dear. that, do you? And as he, oh, said, and as he, as he puts, hashtag awkward. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, that's, bit, yeah. That's, that's really unfortunate. And, yeah. Oh, dear. Um, so, yeah, yeah I've, I've basically spent the last 24 hours or so being involved in a massive Twitter spat with what feels like half of Wales about this, but... My other shit is Tom James, Welsh debut. Well, not Welsh debutant, right. but returning to the fold after whatever it is. Well, we five both or six said years. last week. We, well, you said mostly. You know, you're an Ospreys fan and all that. Ended, but you, you said you weren't that convinced. Plays for Cardiff, anybody? Yeah. You weren't that convinced by a good club player, not so much an international player. Yeah. I said the I, same I, on Twitter, and I thought I'm going to regret this if he plays really well. But actually, he was anonymous. He made one good tackle where he chased down Trimble when it looked like he was probably going to score. Um, but other than that, I don't remember him actually doing anything. And like, yes, he's in cracking form for the Blues, but the Pro 12 is not the test arena and test level players are rarely unearthed at 28 years old, which is what he is. And like, he's going to be 32 at the next World Cup. Like, what? what is the point of him? Like, if he doesn't hit the ground running, like, he basically needs to be good instantly because it's not like he's a developmental project because he's too old so otherwise he's just getting in the way of players like Hallam Amos and Eli Walker and even like really young players like Ashton Hewitt at the Dragons or Alice Summerhill at Blues like, he does, I just he does have the even... distinct advantage though of not being Alex Cuthbert <laughs> this is the thing like in in baseball like they have this this stat that they kind of love at the moment called value over replacement yep. which yeah, is basically they determine, 
Yeah. Yeah, they determine the, the average contribution of a player in his position, the fictional average contribution, and then they use that to measure a player's worth to his team in terms of how much value that offers to the replacing the fictitious average player. And for me, Tom James offers no greater value over a replacement than Alex Cuthbert, with the downside that he's older and that he's never proved himself at yeah. the test level like Cuthbert has. Like, Cuthbert has been absolutely pilloried for the last 18 months for sitting out on his wing and doing fuck all. And all Tom James did on Saturday was sit out on his wing and do fuck all. But, and I just, yeah, but be older and less good. Like, this is the Six Nations, there's no room for passengers. So? So, yeah, I know I've got a shit. I've in case you're not sure that, out there, so Josh doesn't like Tom James. <laughs> <laughs> I don't dislike as him a player. at all. I just don't think he's. I'd, I'd, I'd like him as a as player. As an international I just don't think player. Play for well. Simple as that. <laughs> yeah, okay, there we go. I'll take that. Um, and yeah, my last. My last shit one is drop goals yep. in general. Remember when fly-offs used to be able to knock drop goals over? Wasn't that a lovely? And it time? wasn't just it. It was it wasn't uh, just the actual that. dropping it over. It was the setup of them, the Wales effort from Priestham, which he didn't yeah, catch very was, well. But to be honest, oh, you can't God. really blame him because the set. I mean, but was he calling for it then? I can't believe he was. I I don't think he was. No, I think they just noticed that he was sort of getting himself into the pocket, yeah. ready for the hope. You know in a couple of phases time when they actually hopefully knocked it back to him but they just they it was rush of blood to the head moment and Gareth Davis just spun it back to him and yeah like I mean the only player who actually knocked a drop goal over this weekend with any decency was Carlo Canna and he couldn't fucking hit a barn door with a banjo yeah. from the team so. I nearly put him in my good section but I had to hold off because of the possible <laughs> carelessness of him basically Mm. Somebody else who agreed with your drop goal attempts. It was Corey Lionbar on Twitter who just basically said shit drop goal attempts, which was which was right. Yeah, well, and the stupid thing is, like, with the exception of Finn Russell's one, like all of the missed drop goals on the weekend could mm. have given their side a win. Um, and with defenses being more organised and being tough yeah. to break down, and with like as we said, like penalties seem to be quite harder to come by in the red zone, like certainly this week anyway. Like having someone who can bang over a drop goal when things aren't going anywhere and turn pressure into points is vital and yeah all of the teams <laughs> that tried them this weekend seem to be found yeah, wanting uh, them I say it was shit then let's have a look what I said I've said this on a blog already Scotland versus England was shit Scotland's amazing lack of end product yep. was shit which we've already talked about Wales attacking is yes. shit Gareth Davis was shite oh, God. which is really disappointing <sighs> he really was he probably had yeah it was it was comfortably his, his worst game for Wales I think I mean He's played a lot of Test rugby this year. Yeah, but I mean, his service, his service was bad. Expected. It was too slow. His decision. Yeah. I mean, why do they? Why answer me this? Right? Why do Wales do? And it's his call because he's a scrum half. Why do they go up the blind side with three runners when there's about eighteen inches of space? That is one of the greatest mysteries because it's not just him. Because Mike Phillips used to do it as well. Everybody does it. Like Wales have obviously got this. Well, Rob Holy has got this thing in his head that the blind side is there to be exploited if you have numbers out there, but there's no space. Yeah. Or if you're <laughs> so going to do that, really go and just run. Use your pace and go yeah. and try and actually get in behind that way, but it doesn't make any yeah. sense to me. I said that, so that was disappointing. He was crap. I've said that France was shit, but with the yeah. caveat, at least it's amusing. Uh, yep. It's not miserable yes, anymore. It is amusing, which, which, definitely. Which is no, it's, good. it's quite entertaining. Um, so we'll do, take do that. Anyone have any shit stuff in the comments? Let me have a quick look. Owen Farrell got a shit off buzz in the comments on the blog. Oh, um, I think that's yeah. a bit harsh. I think it was mainly because of the push. 
because of the shitty push. Okay, yeah, that was stupid. Let's move on to good then, yeah, Josh. Was... I'll start us off with the good. Um, well, actually, I yes. think this kind of dovetails into what you're going to talk about anyway. I'm going to start with Talupe Falatan. Uh, one. Yes, uh, and I would say number number eights in general. Apart from David Denton. Good weekend. Uh, yeah, apart from David. It was increasingly <laughs> looking Parise, Falatau, and... Yes, really bad. Um, Parise, Falatau, and Billy Vinopolo were all Vinopolo great. Vinopolo was very, weekend, very good, yeah. Well, Vinopolo just well, did what he does for nice. Saracens. You always wonder, don't you? Because he's dropped that weight yeah. as well. Will he still be able to have the impact that he's had previously? And the answer is quite unequivocally, yes, he is going to have that impact. Yes, he's just got power in spades. And I think that it was kind of nice that it sort of was a, a great overview of of everything that modern number eights can be in a sort of varied way because quite often I think people get carried away with the perception that this eight has to be a dynamic, explosive, ball-carrying powerhouse and it doesn't necessarily have to be like Parise does a bit of everything he doesn't do anything as well as mm. individually as, yeah. as say Falatau or, or Vinipola Falatau, does but he does I mean, everything just including... completely different gravy what should go in shit, by the way, is that oh, ITV so kept good. calling Toby all the time, even though he's distinctly said he doesn't want to be. Oh, I love the way that. You remember when he came out and said, God's I don't sake. want to be called Toby? And everyone was like, oh, you precious yeah. bugger. It's like, no, that's not his name. It's like no, me coming out saying, name. I don't want to be called Brian. Yeah, it's like when you go to the call centres and they give you a fake name because they don't trust an English person to be able to pronounce yes. their actual name. And they were like, that's basically what he did. He called himself Toby because no fucker in Everbale could pronounce Talupe properly. Properly, and fair enough. Like that's his actual name, and it just it really yeah. ground my gears when they were like, "Or Talupe." Yeah, no, that's what he is called. Yes. The end. It was like, no, that's what he's always called. For God's sake. Yeah. So anyway, so oh, he is. Um, yeah, but he's, he's phenomenal. People talk about the importance of a turn of pace, right? And But they usually mean that in terms of getting away from people, being able to turn it on and get away through a gap. I don't think people talk enough, and, and Vinopolo's the same, about a turn of pace that allows you to go into people. Because what Falatau can do is take yes. the ball, standing still, can step, do that thing <coughs> with his feet that he does, and then go. And he has enough generation, yeah. generation of pace from a standing start to either get through a tackle yeah, he's or get through a tackle enough or get away from a tackle enough so he can pop a ball off or, or just buy some time. Yeah. <clears throat> That's why he's so good at, at the back of a scrum, especially if it's going backwards. He's he's so good. And he kind of had yeah. to be for Wales. Let's not beat around the bush. But like when a scrum is retreating or it's not going anywhere, he's so good at picking it up off the base and getting something positive out of it because he has that agility combined with that real... You know, five six yard burst of acceleration and power. That yeah, he's he is on another planet, really. Yeah. He's so there you go. It's a good player. weekend for number eight, particularly Falatau. Anything else on your good list there, Josh? Yes. Um, I know that you oh, do no, disagree please. with me to an extent, but oh, all right, okay. Jamie Roberts, Sorry. man, I thought you were going to say like something else. People... Then it would have been too much for me to take. No, I was not going to. Hey, hey, no, <laughs> steady on. Yeah, Jamie Roberts. Yeah, mm. I would not do that. I would not do that to you. Um, yeah, no, people. I know, we, and we've spoken today about how he's he's one dimensional in the attack. Well, you can't blame him for that. Game plan you can't blame just him. him for how he's. No, used. I don't think you can. He just keeps running like the clappers yeah. and tackling like a train. And yeah, but I mean, Christ on a bike. His defense on Sunday was absolutely on another planet. Like every time he came out of the line and smashed the living shit out of someone in the green jersey you winced because he was an animal out there he wasn't just a wall he was like a wall with barbed wire sentry turrets and searchlights on it 
It was <laughs> he was the Berlin Wall, um, <laughs> and it's not just that he hits like a freight train either. It's just that he's so he's so goddamn intelligent with it. Like every time he jumps out of the line early, you think, yeah. "Oh fuck!" Because like usually when a player jumps out of the line well, like Pete's that, that it's thing, he's lucky there. He can't, like, line he can't be lucky because he's done it seven times and it's worked every time. So it can't be lucky, <laughs> can it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he always picks yeah. the right moment and the right man. Like Jared Payne probably wishes that he stayed back in New Zealand and Payne, and after Payne's the pace no that he took, mug To be honest, at all, you know, it's not. <laughs> no, like exactly. Doing this he's a solid shit. player, but uh, he... no. And Roberts absolutely, he had the Irish backline so completely in his pocket. I'll say, I mean, I've had time to count all the I, I'd change. Say, I, th- I think he's he was right to be praised for his performance. I don't want to do that down, but I do. It's just, I think it's just, it's more <clears> me getting frustrated with the general frustration with how Wales use those players that they've got. Because if, you, as you say, if you could get yeah, the ball into his hands earlier, so he could get it into two hands, get you know, yeah, then you've got then something. Because he can do it. He did it for the Lions. We've seen him do it. You know, yeah, of course he can. And it's so weird that they don't do it more. But yeah, I hope that's. And the other, my my final good thing this week, and we sort of touched on it briefly, is is yeah. Rob Evans. Yeah. Like again, I don't want to sound like I'm tooting my own trumpet, but I said last week that I hoped he would make an appearance at some point. I didn't expect it would be this. Early. Would you be upset if I said that's exactly but, um, what you sound like, Gatland? <laughs> yeah, no, no, not at all. Um, but yeah, uh, Gatland clearly knew what he was doing. Like, I mean, dropping Gethin Jenkins is was must have been hard for yeah, him. It's like he it's like dropping Gethin his Jenkins. favorite child, isn't it? Massive not even so. a child. His favorite his favorite melon headed child. Yeah, yeah. And but I don't want to get carried away with him because obviously Ireland's front row was very depleted and inexperienced too, and I'm sure that WP Nell is going to give him a bit of a rough time next week because he will give most people a rough time. But as first caps go, he absolutely looked the part, and along with with a properly fit at last, Sampson Lee well suddenly looked like they might have a scrum. Yes, which is one thing we didn't weird. mention shit because I've forgotten, but we're going to do it again now, and I think I've forgotten. For, and I'll give you the reason why I have is hashtag Treviso shitwatch. Oh my god! No, they haven't. Uh, have it doesn't matter. We still week? have to go through it. They didn't play on Saturday. <laughs> However, uh, there is still a time no. bomb ticking since they last won a game, which I believe that now could be yes. up to three hundred and fifty-three days. Uh, yeah, it was three hundred and forty-six last week. So yeah, three hundred. Hashtag Treviso shit. Now. What you've Jesus. managed to, you know, fair news, fair news. They haven't had a chance to sort it out this week because they've not been playing. But even so, no, doesn't I mean... change the fact that the clock is ticking. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, they still had 350 yes, days. Yes, look at it that way. Yeah, they've had this, they couldn't do anything about it this week, but they definitely could have done something about it in no. the previous 350 odd days. <laughs> the yeah. last nearly a year. So, hashtag Treviso yes. shitwatch, but we'll come back to that because they are playing this week. And actually, yes. who are they playing next week? I know Ooh. we're not doing a domestic rugby this week, but it's. I'm, guess, I'm guessing they're, they're going playing to They're playing Cardiff Blues at home. Oh, and I'll tell you what. Cardiff. So, could it be this... that Cardiff. The last game they won the last game was Cardiff Blues. They... Was Cardiff oh, at home? Yes. Exactly. This would be. Oh, surely Teresa Shitwatch can't. End I will be after, disappointed. Uh, near three weeks. I will be honest. I'll be a little bit crestfallen. Hugely disappointed. But, um, but yeah, yeah it could be an annual event, and they simply beat Cardiff every February, and that's it. it. That's be. the only thing they managed to do. <laughs> oh, the Blues, not Cardiff. Cardiff are a different side, aren't they? Okay. Yes. No, anyway, so that's our shit good mm, well, ratings let's not get into that. for this week. The shit good ratings. The only radio system that matters. I mean, how can you not like that? I mean, seriously. I don't know. It's anyway, just... moving on then. Let's look at next week then, Josh. Yeah, we're just coming Lunar up six. to finishing round yes. about the time we'd want to finish on. Um, France versus Ireland Indeed. is up first next weekend, I think. Is it? 
this is an awkward it's one in, in, for in me, Paris I think. Again. I think if Ireland... Yeah, I think if Ireland play with the intensity that they showed on Sunday, they'll certainly give France problems because they're going to be without pick for the whole tournament. It was Yeah, but he's, he's been crap ever since he's so, um, come to England. It's almost like... I'm not even <laughs> that's very true, although... <laughs> And I think that's definitely part of it. But I, I mean, I know Ireland have got injuries, but I just think that they actually look like a team, um, and they certainly did on Saturday anyway. And and certainly compared to the French, and and yeah, but, France won, but they they should have lost against Italy. And for me, I think Ireland is going to turn over again. You know, I'm sorry to say it, but it is. Let me say it a different way. <laughs> it is difficult to predict okay. the visage of the <laughs> French personnel that will present themselves. This Saturday. That's that's (laughs) take on that that well worn cliche. Um, Yeah, but you don't you don't know, and I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if either team won it. Won it to be honest. My, I think if Ireland win though, it's all of a sudden they're thinking championship again. Defend the way they did this week Um, and manage to do something a bit more composed and keep Sexton sort of on the field. And I think they will. I think they got a chance of winning this one. So we think Ireland yeah, that one me then. Too. Okay. So I we think, think Ireland. Well, and then again championship back yeah. on. Italy play England, that's nothing but an England win, is it? Uh, it's England always yeah, smashes. I kinda hope that like, Even when they picked yeah, Andy Goulden outside half um, in two thousand and nine, they beat Italy. Exactly. They literally that's the worst England have played, and, and believe me, there's a hell of a lot to pick from. That's the worst I've seen England play ever. And, <laughs> and it was pretty bad. <laughs> Yeah, I do hope they give uh, the likes of Itoji and yeah, Daly a chance to stake a bit of a claim. Um, but let's not beat around the bush. It'll probably yeah. be like a 40-point win because England... Not because England were that coherent or Italy that just the way it goes. just the way it always goes. Hey, just think yeah. yourself lucky as a Welsh fan because <clears> of, uh, Aston scored four tries against Italy a few years ago. If he was, if he hadn't got himself banned, he, yes, could, he, be, he could be ash-splashing himself into the hearts of other nations oh. at the weekend, but he's, he's not going to be doing it. Um, okay, Wales versus Scotland and it's back in Cardiff. Yeah, um, I know I said good things about Priestland earlier, um, but I'm still not entirely highly prepared to jump on the bandwagon yet um, so I think selection is going to be a big part of it I, I'm guessing the bigger is going to be out it looks like his injury might be a bit of a, a tournament ender um, so if they provide if Gareth Anscombe plays fullback basically I think Wales will win because even if Priestland has the yips then at least they've got a goalkeeper yeah. on the field if they don't then I'm worried that Laidlaw can just gradually just chip away and death by a thousand cuts Wales to... Because I think it might be a quite a good game, though, because both Wales and Scotland looked like they don't really know how to defend the wide channels on Saturday one, and on Sunday, respectively. One of the best um, Wales-Scotland... Like, one of the best Six Nation games has ever been was Wales versus Scotland. What year was it when Scotland were nailed on to win and managed uh, to just throw everything into the shitter towards the end and... Was it Shane Williams scored last late I, on? I, and you can yes, hear J- you can hear Jiffy screaming in ecstasy in the in the background. I, I don't mind. I don't mind admitting that I cried like a that fucking was, baby it was at the end of that. that. Just it because it was it was like that five minutes of ridiculous tension where Wales obviously scored with basically time expired and all they had time left for was the kickoff. That was like five minutes of the most unbearable tension that I think I've ever experienced watching a rugby game and yes. then the release of Shane going over I was just a mess no. I don't think it's going to be that good no, I think, I think it might be a decent game, game. I think um, if Priestland 
Uh, I think if Priestland doesn't shit himself and they are something approaching a scrum, Wales should win. But I don't think it'll be. Okay. I think it'll be quite a tight. So one. we've gone Ireland, England, Wales, just about. I can never get yeah. you to admit that Wales are actually going to win a game. I'm pretty sure if they played against, you know, old no, probably not. Thirds, you'd still be saying Wales <clears> might not win it because there might be some <laughs> problem with the old Ips playing there outside half who once had a trial for Newport in the 80s or something. Um, right, so there you yeah. go. Any changes on... We, uh, I said Wales are going to win the Championship last week. You weren't so sure. Any change <clears> on that? Uh, no, I, I still right. think England are going to win it. Especially now that they've they've nailed on an away win, I think they're only going to get better as the tournament goes on. And I think even if they don't get better, they're going to still be physical enough to cause yeah. teams problems at Twickenham. Okay, and, so and we yeah. said Italy were going to finish last. Is there anything in that performance made you think they won't? Not for me, really. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, if it's uh, France Island this weekend will be an interesting one because if France are shit. They can't then finish last I can see again. Them finishing bottom. I mean, that would be absolutely brilliant. Don't get me wrong, but it's, I can't, they can't do that yeah. again. Surely, because Scotland have to go to Italy this year. Don't forget, and that's always a bit of a a potential banana skin, even for good Scotland. Yes. So okay, so there you go. So we're, we're broadly sticking to it, although it's hard to predict. I think it's just going to be a strange old championship. This one, right then, Josh. Thank you very much for another week. Uh, thank you Always very much pleasure. out there for those you tuned in. You can't say tuned into a podcast. You don't really tune into a podcast. Thank you very much no, for uh, streaming. Yeah, let's, let's say they tuned in anyway. Romantic, yeah. Let's, Thanks for tuning in. Yeah. Thanks for downloading. Yeah, Keep your good. reviews and ratings coming on iTunes. We always appreciate it. We'll be back again next week when we'll see yeah. who we've managed to jinx. Who have we said's good this week? Because they're going to be shit yes. this weekend. Um, Ireland, mm. we said, were quite good. England, mm. we said, were quite good. Um, we've liked oh, he's Reece Priestland. Yeah, so he's you've, you've, you've absolutely fucked your own he's team fucked. there. Sorry, Reese. Sorry, I'm so, sorry, sorry Joe. Well, I'm, well, I'm saying um, sorry. You said it. We said that. We said the. Yeah, we said the English scrum yeah, is knackered. good. So. Uh, yeah. Um, so keep an eye on that for else? next week. Then, right? Then we're going to finish as we always do on the yes. loop. The world's first and only rugby-related continuous playlist. There's a reason why it's the first and only one because it's mm-hmm. probably not that good an idea. But we're going to. I've started now, so I'm going to. I cannot stop. <laughs> we we stay in the course. So this we week it is the track by Lenny Kravitz from his album Mama Said. It's always on the run. See you next week, Joss. Bye. <laughs>
If you have a TV, you must have a TV license. It's the law. Inspectors are calling to unlicensed homes and businesses. If you don't, that can mean prosecution and a fine of up to €1,000. Get yours at tvlicense.ie or any post office. Brought to you by the Government of Ireland. Podcast Network.